everybody. Welcome to another episode of Space Flicks. This is the podcast where we review a movie and decide if we're going to beam it out to a lonely astronaut in space or just selfishly keep it to ourselves because we don't feel like splurging on the bandwidth. We've got a tight budget here at Space Flicks headquarters. That's right. We have a and team of wild stallions that got to be washed. They got to be bleached. <laughs> got to be bleached. Yeah, we can't. We can't afford. We we got to maintain these. Uh, was it stallions or was it just white horses? Maybe white horses. I don't remember. But. Well, in any case, we got to maintain what we got over here, and uh, we can't just be sending every movie out there because space bandwidth isn't like Earth bandwidth. It's a lot more pricey. Yeah, there's no wires in space. You just got to send it through the air. Who even like knows how how that happens? You I, know, we don't. We just mystery. Have a, we have a button. We got to send it, it from a secure laser on Mars. Mm-hmm. That's how we should do it. <laughs> Be cheaper. Just a little Ad Astra reference for you there. Today, uh, today we just push a button and then we get an astronomical bill. Yeah, so, yeah. It's it's like it's a real bad feeling when we push that button. The high is immediately killed by the. By right. the bill that just prints out on a, from a, like a fax machine. Yeah, it's like, oh man, I'm gonna be eating ramen for a month. Yeah, hope there, hope we don't see any more great movies in the next month because we can't afford to send them can't, up. Can't afford it. But um, our commitment to the cause is real, and I'm willing to eat secondhand ramen if needed. For space that's flicks. you're a good person, Adam. I'm not sure what secondhand ramen would be. <laughs> uh. We'll leave that to the imagination of the listener. Um, swipe it from a table at a restaurant, I think, probably. Speaking of space, today we are talking about Don't Look Up, the latest film on Netflix from writer-director. Or is he just a director? I think he's a writer-director. Yeah, he wrote the screenplay. Adam McKay, yes. Wrote the screenplay uh, based on a story by David Sirota, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm just reading what IMDb is telling me. Um, Adam, why don't you give us the synopsis? Two low-level astronomers must go on a giant media tour to warn mankind of an approaching comet that will destroy planet Earth. Starring Leo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, and uh, quite a few other folks. This, yeah. is a, this is a star-studded cast. What were your expectations for Don't Look Up, Adam? Uh, I just sort of expected to feel bad, mm. you know? Yeah. I was like, um, this is a... Because of the subject matter? Yeah, it's sort of like this is... I, I, I sort of expected a, like a Doctor Strange lovey and sort of mm-hmm. satire about like humans are kind of too stupid to be trusted with Earth. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's just explore that idea, right? And um, on one hand, it's like the reason it's going to be a bummer is because it's going to feel kind of true, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that was sort of like I was braced for it. And I know it's a comedy, and I know that like there's supposed to be funny ha-ha laughs throughout, but I was just sort of expecting to feel like bummed out by the end. Uh-huh. Were you expecting it to be good, though? Um, I, I guess like on the like 
the Adam McKay curve, which I do grade him on, uh-huh. which is which is weird. Um, meaning, like, uh, I expect you cut the, him some slack for Anchorman. <laughs> I expect the jokes to be funny, mm-hmm. and I expect like the clarity of the ideas to be like. Um, I remember once uh, Adam McKay was sorry. I'm sort of uh, I'm interrupting my own thought. Once Adam, I I saw an interview with Adam McKay where he was talking about the movie Vice, and he was talking about how he's like, yeah, like you can kind of see the flop sweat in this movie, right? Meaning like we're trying really hard to like get our point across to you, and we're a little like desperate. Mm. And I know that like movies are supposed to entertain. And I know that like this is ostensibly sort of a comedy, but like you can kind of tell we're not totally joking, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, and I I can't control it because that is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. We are kind of des. We're like, haha, this is a comedy, but seriously, you need to know this, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, the sort of like artful remove or um that you might expect from someone who maybe has a little more um, a little more grimness to their approach or like a little less hope. Right. Mm-hmm. I feel like an, an artist like um, like Fincher, for example, right. Has like zero hope for mm-hmm. humanity. And so <laughs> you think, and so he's sort of like, I can just sort of make this beautiful right and disturbing and like it can be very extreme in all of those ways because i don't need to like believe that there is some like glimmer of hope at the end right Mm -hmm. and i feel like mckay is sort of like things are really really bad but if we all band together we can turn it around right and Mm -hmm. i feel like Mm -hmm. um that's where i think he and i diverge um because I don't because know, you don't have hope. <laughs> I don't have maybe the same optimism that he does. Um, Interesting. Or, the, or like even I think he might not even be optimistic. He might just have like a desire to be optimistic, which. Mm. Um, so there's something like very earnest about his movies, and very like please listen to me. This is an important idea that you need to understand. Uh huh. That. Um, for me, I, I don't know if I'm just dead inside, but it's sort of like I would rather him just take like an unflinching look at an, an unflinching and artistic look at the problem rather than sort of try to like wrap some kind of like moral around it. Okay. That's, so I, I <laughs> I'm, I'm not getting a super clear read on what your expectation was. As to whether you thought it was, it sounds like you thought it would be an Adam McKay movie, but I, yeah, I expected it to be. Uh, you expected it to be a little like, funny, really earnest, right? And like ultimately not, not that successful. Okay, right? so so is it artistically? You mean? Yeah, yeah. Are you saying so? Uh, if I kind of. Um, if I understand you correctly, I think you're saying of his latest films, because I think we can pretty clearly, there's there's a clear moment in his 
filmography, right? It's it's Big Short. It's the Big where, Short, right? Where right. he starts making like quote unquote more like serious movies, right? Yeah. So he's so he's done three of them now: The Big Short, Vice, and now Don't Look Up. Yeah. And it sounds like you're saying you don't think those movies are all that great as as films, right? Right. I think The Big Short is the best of okay. the three. Um, but yeah, I think they're all very, um, they're, they're trying hard to persuade me of something that mm-hmm. I happen to like agree with in all three cases, but, um, but it just, it just, it's less like a movie and more like a political rally or more like, a um, mm-hmm. there's like a cause. It's like a cause more than it is a movie. It's yeah. A mess- you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. So my, um, I think I would, I think I feel similarly to you, even though I, I probably would have described it in a very different way. But um, I was, I liked the big short. Um, yeah. I found it entertaining. And, you know, it sort of felt like a just really entertaining, like school report, you know, in the form right. of a long film. That's like, let me just teach you about what happened. In right. fact, my, my least favorite parts of the big short were where it sort of tried to inject some drama into, like I seem to recall Steve Carell's character was going through some personal stuff right. and just the filmmaking, the way it was edited, you know, the performance, it just, it just felt a little kind of like out of place um, mm-hmm. for me personally. I did not really care for Vice. Um mm-hmm. And I think something that's true of both The Big Short and Vice is that how much you enjoy or appreciate them seems like it, it will be highly influenced. I'm not saying purely a function of, but highly influenced by how much you already know about the subject matter. So mm-hmm. in the case of Vice, it really seemed to me like if you already knew the vast majority of what was in the movie, yeah. it was a whole lot of nothing. Like mm-hmm. th- that's what it felt like to me. It just felt like actors playing out stuff that like you could have already read about all these things, you know? Right. right. And, um, and it's not, it's not like, it's an, unlike the big short, it's not injecting a ton of humor. Right. It's, it's also not really revealing much more than what was just, than just the facts, in my opinion. It didn't mm-hmm. feel like it was giving you this really insightful or, or you know, revelatory look into a particular person or, I mean, other than, other than Cheney, I suppose. But he's not like that fascinating of a person to me. Um, so I kind of came away just being like, hey, I don't know. So, so my expectations of Don't Look Up were, to be honest, kind of low, although I liked, I felt somewhat optimistic by the fact that this of the three this is the first one that's a work of fiction mm-hmm. and it's it's clearly about you know real world problems but it's not featuring real people mm-hmm. you know or about an actual event that that happened um uh so so i thought oh maybe that'll that'll make the difference you know and adam mckay can make a movie that i think works and is more interesting and doesn't depend on you not already knowing stuff because it's like a work of fiction. So, of course, you don't know what's going to happen in this story. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to say, for me, I think it worked. I think it worked pretty well. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I did find myself, it's like obvious what, it's obvious what he's trying to say, but that, but because it's a story with characters that are made up, it was much more, I found myself just much more like engaged in like wanting to know what's going to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and by the end, you know, um, I thought it had some interesting things to say about the problems that it's that it's secretly about. Nothing, nothing earth shattering, but, you know, reasonably uh, to me, reasonably thought provoking stuff. But mostly it was just I liked the characters. I liked the story. I did think it was funny. I thought it was mm-hmm. a lot funnier, certainly way funnier than Vice. Mm-hmm. And so for me, all those things kind of worked. But you already kind of gave away your your. Uh, I don't know if it was your first impression, but you mentioned that you thought the big short was the best of the three. So where mm-hmm. does this one fall for you? Did, were you oh. very disappointed? Did you think it was okay? You clearly didn't love it. I thought it was okay. Uh, I liked I I, I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, I feel like the parts that worked the best for me were the tip were the things where Adam McKay has a proven track record of being like a master which is sort of like the improv mm-hmm. sort of like uh insult based stuff mm-hmm. like basically anytime jonah hill is on the screen sure. yeah is like this is a a grade comedy right here mm-hmm. um uh like the moment where i think he says to jennifer lawrence at one point he's like oh like he's inviting dicaprio to go to a meeting of some kind and then he looks at Lawrence and he's like, oh, did you want to come? And she's like, yes. And then he just shuts the door on her. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like yeah. stuff like that was just like perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked I liked the 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 sort of like the broadest comedy stuff, which maybe speaks to me being a Philistine. Right. But like I lo- mm-hmm. I thought that I thought that was like the best stuff in the movie. Like I thought um, uh, Jonah Hill. I weirdly liked Rylance a lot. Um, yeah. Uh, I thought the um, the Blanchett character, Kate Blanchett character, was actually like weirdly great. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. And so, like these really broad characters are the ones that I thought were the were the funniest and the best. Um, and I will say, I did think that um, the final scene that DiCaprio and Lawrence are in in the film was actually like really really good because pretty pretty moving yeah yeah because it wasn't um it wasn't trying to persuade you of anything it was just sort Mm -hmm. of like this is how this would end right Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. is how this series of relations you know um and it comes back to the characters I feel like you sort of care about them they seem like real people Right. right, right. Um, so it's anytime there's like a big speech in the movie, <laughs> of which there mm-hmm. are a few, right? Like those are, and I those are the like the most earnest bits that feel like the least effective. To mm. me. Um, so th- so that's um, that's I, I I thought the funny parts were funny. I thought the really emotional stuff at the end really worked for me, but I felt like a lot of the other stuff that is the bulk of the movie about like human the comet coming are, to earth human beings are corrupt and mm-hmm. incompetent 
and like we have to band together as a species to do the right thing. And it's like, I mean, these are all true things, mm-hmm. but they don't necessarily like work for me in in the in the film. So that's sort mm-hmm. of like a high level how I how I felt about it. Does that <laughs> is that clear as mud? <laughs> no, it's clear. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, so. If I understand correctly, well, I, I need somehow for because there's only three. I feel like I need to know your ranking. So, is this better than Vice for you, or is this the worst of the three? Oh no, no, I I probably prefer this to Vice. Vice is a movie that so we like, all agree Vice is the worst. Vice is the worst. <laughs> Vice sort of like vacated my brain immediately yeah. after I left the theater. I seem right? to recall we watched Vice, and afterwards you know, talking about it. I don't remember if I said this or not. I just feel like we might've been like, why did he make that movie? Like it was just sort of, just like, I don't understand why this movie exists. You know, it just seemed pointless. Well, he's, I mean, I viewed it as he's trying to tell the story of like right wing politics in America for the past, you know, 30, 40 years, 40, 50 years. Right. Um, And he thinks that it's important that you know that, Mm -hmm. right. Um, but to your point, like, I don't know if that's actually, I don't think that's a, that's not like a movie, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, It was just sort of like, I feel like the people who watch this movie, no minds are being changed by this and nobody's even learning anything. So, but anyway, back to this movie. Okay. So this is in the middle for you. Mm -hmm. I think for me, it could very easily be my favorite of his non pure comedy movies. Um, Probably because it is, uh, I think it mainly being the work of fiction. It's sort of like the, the some of the sentiment you were just expressing of, you know, when the movie's trying to be about pe- the corruption or stupidity or like, you know, human laziness and these kinds of things that it touches on. I, I, I sort of am with you in that I think if, if this were Vice or a, like, again, about a actual event, it would sort of evoke like an eye roll for me, but because it's a story, I'm sort of like aware of what it's saying to me, mm-hmm. but regardless of how kind of on the nose or obvious or non insightful that is, I'm still engaged invested in the story. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what this movie has going for it. That his other two did not. But anyway, we'll get into it more, into the details and so forth. Um, we might as well. We haven't actually said it yet, but it's very obvious. We should we should uh, discuss the big theme of the movie, which is what, Adam? Well, I mean... It'd be hilarious if we, <laughs> the, if we like, didn't agree on what the main the, theme was. The entire plot of this film is a veiled reference to climate change. Right. Right? Yeah. Um. The theme of the movie, I would say, is sort of about um, humanity's unwillingness or inability to <clears throat> reckon with like the existential threat that's like staring it in the face. Mm-hmm. Right? Like there's some like don't look up as a title is literally uh it become it's a it's a slogan that gets used later in the film about the idea of like literally ignore the mm-hmm. thing that is going to end us all mm-hmm. right um 
and it's viewed as like it's worn as like a badge of pride by yeah. a you know faction of of folks. And so to me, that feels like the you know number one with a bullet kind of theme is about just like why can't we as a species like reckon with the most important thing in the entire world yeah a, a thing that is going to effectively kill us all right right it's i think it was a smart move to turn it into a comet because then it just makes it so nice and contained like this one comet in this one moment when it strikes earth will basically kill everyone versus climate change is like very gradual it's right. not like everybody's gonna die one year but it's gonna like be like the earth is less and less habitable lots of ripple effects right um yeah you know i think i think the movie is an interesting i don't know this might be i might be misusing this term but it feels a bit like a rorschach test to me mm-hmm. um many people i'm aware many people hated this movie mm-hmm. and it seems to have been quite divisive. And I think part of it is what do you think the movie's perspective is? Um, I actually, I, I'd be curious if you disagree with me on this. I Something that I liked, and this might have been, you know, me bringing my own perspective to the viewing, which it, we all do, but it didn't feel to me like the movie was doing what I sort of expected it to do, like knowing what I do know about Adam McKay, which isn't much to be fair. But I think of him as sort of a smug, kind of superior kind of guy, to be uh-huh. honest. Uh-huh. Um, I thought the movie was going to be about, like, really about, like, what idiots. You know, look at these idiotic humans. Mm-hmm. And I could definitely see how some people might feel that that is what it's saying. But I, th- I appreciated that the movie gave a little more attention than I expected to, like, the systems that are sort of making driving people or incentivizing people to make the decisions that they're making. Mm -hmm. And I I personally found some of the character, like I expected Meryl Streep as the president, for example, to be Mm -hmm. portrayed as a complete moron. And I don't think she is. I think she's portrayed as pretty intelligent, Mm -hmm. you know, very corrupt, of course. She's self-interested. Yes. Right. Very Um, different than dumb. Yeah. And, uh, and and for the most part, it seemed to me that the people who are standing in the way of doing the right thing in this movie, for the most part, are not idiots. They're they are sort of participants in a system. And I think that the movie is 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 at least to a degree arguing that some of these systems are really the underlying problem. Um, and I found that to be kind of refreshing. Like the fact that without giving too much away, even some of the good, so quote unquote, good characters in this movie find themselves, um, you know, pulled in Seduced, not right? the most, yeah, not the most productive directions because of some of the systems that exist in the world we live in. Right. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, it, I did find that somewhat insightful actually and and kind of more even-handed and fair than i was expecting it to be just in the sense that you know i sort of came in thinking that you know the very not so subtle subtext was going to be 
Republicans are a bunch of morons who like won't listen to the science and that's why we're all going to die. And I, that, that wasn't, that didn't feel like the takeaway to me. It felt a little bit more uh, equal opportunity. Like, you know, there's so many things that are sort of distracting our attention away from these really important things. Like all of us, you know, mm -hmm. even those of us who fancy ourselves on the right side mm -hmm. are so distracted from, from this actually real, very massive problem. And, uh, you know, and if we're going to fix it, we probably need to do something about that. So to me, that was, um, I would say, you know, uh, the theme, it's sort of like you said, the theme is that the, the subject is, is, is climate change. The theme is humans inability to deal with it. But I guess the only thing I'm adding to that is I don't think the inability comes down to just pure incompetence or stupidity. Right. I think it comes down to some some something about the way we've set up our society yeah. is not right and we need to fix that if we're going to be able to address this problem yeah like to i think we should hop in the spoiler submarine yeah yeah um, and, <laughs> and talk about this the, spo the spoiler submarine um, we're in it so uh, th we really mix our metaphors here at spaceflux headquarters it's what we do yeah we're, we're we are a uh, you know, an organization sort of focused on the beyond, but we have a submarine. <laughs> it's um, where we, we hop in there to, to reveal spoilers. It's right. I think it's pretty straightforward. Okay. Okay. So, um, at one point in the film, there's the, I mean, a simple like sort of lens to, um, that I sort of was thinking about with this movie is in many ways, like the movie is Armageddon, right? Yeah. Like the movie Armageddon, except like the incentives are such that like not everybody like is super motivated to destroy the asteroid, right? Well, it starts um, out like Armageddon. It's, it's, it's like the first, what, 45 minutes of this movie are sort of like a compressed hour, Armageddon. Hour and a half. <laughs> First, oh, hour and a half. Okay, yeah. I, I couldn't. I wasn't paying attention it's to something the, like that. Yeah. So the first hour and a half of this movie is basically like a compressed Armageddon minus you know the last whatever fifteen minutes of Armageddon, right? The last well, pr I because the I, mission I, just gets yeah. aborted. Yes. Suddenly. Right. Yes. And but so they're very much on track to be doing Armageddon. Exactly, and that's sort of the thing that I um, that I really liked. What that's one moment that I really liked about the movie is uh when like they're on the armageddon mission meaning it's all these spaceships that are going to take off and we're all going to like l ignite a bunch of nukes at the same time and in space and blow the comet off course and save our planet right that's mm -hmm. the idea mm -hmm. um and what happens is uh as the mission is beginning and it looks like things are going well the president of the united states steps out of the room with a like the third richest person on the planet and basically they make a plan to get more become more rich and powerful yeah and what they also have that you don't find out until the very end of the movie is a get out of jail free card mm -hmm. right like if it doesn't work right 
we just hop on a spaceship and get the f out of dodge <laughs> right like yeah so yeah like they can unilaterally make a decision that like massively reduces humanity's chances of surviving right you know somewhat increases their chances of personally becoming more rich and powerful and they kind of don't care if their be- if their second plan doesn't work because it's like you know what we'll still be fine right yeah uh, and yeah. so it's this like extreme self-interest that they have that motivates their choices that like the rest of us can only watch in sort of despair mm-hmm. right that we are not an important like figure in this math which is sort of like i was sort of imagining like oh if this movie becomes like the mission to space just goes sideways because you know incompetence bad luck whatever because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. i didn't for one second believe the mission would be successful i was like this mission is right. not going to be successful how is it not going to be successful right um but the fact that it was aborted due to like super elite uh you know self-interest i was like that feels about right yeah that feels like the truest bit of that well and there was definitely a part of me i i wasn't so sure myself i i was curious if the way they would go is that the mission was a success mm-hmm. and that you know as the viewer you would sort of be furious that it was a success right in some you'd be very conflicted about it the mi- oh the mission at the end yeah, 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 yeah. The uh, the bash mission, right? The yes, the one that's designed to like uh, mine minerals from the comet uh, once it crash lands on Earth, and you know, bunches of pieces. I, I was curious if that would happen because then the that would be a very cynical ending. That'd be almost right. like a like that would be the Fincher, you know, no faith in humanity <laughs> ending that you talked about. But it would sort of be like, okay, so then the outcome then would be that the tech billionaire and the president and everybody who invested in Bash becomes rich beyond their wildest dreams. Right. Trillionaires, yeah. Yeah. They are rewarded. The scientists are disgraced because Mm -hmm. they've been campaigning for, like, we need to do a different mission. Right. right? They become laughingstocks. And... So it's like the people who did the right thing and were trying to call attention to the problem are now, you know, Villified, punished. Yeah. And the people who sort of totally brushed them off and just went with the most selfish thing possible are rewarded. Mm-hmm. And so there was a part of me that thought maybe that's how it would go. But yeah. That's very lo much and behold, like, that's not quite how it went. That's very much like the horse people plot in Sorry to Bother You. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Like corporate greed is celebrated and whistleblowers are like, you know, denigrated as standing in the way of capitalism. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, like I could have seen, I could have seen that happening again. It would have been infuriating, but it would have felt, um, there would have been a truth to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I feel like hubris is like a major part of the ending. Right. Like, um, yeah, the super powerful, sort of hubris like the belief that it's like you know we we're like masters of the universe right yeah we have all the money and technology and brain power and political clout and we can just you know shape the world to be what we want it to be and it's like 
you can't, right? You can't always. Yeah. You can't control it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, the the ending as it plays out, especially with the spaceship that's, you know, aimed that's at bad. a planet that's 20,000 light years away. Yeah. Um, that, that to me, at that point, it did feel like, and maybe this is, you know, naive of me, but it did feel like by then we were, we were properly entering an unrealistic kind of territory. Right. Um, it's, it's like, okay, now it's finally the movie's kind of heightened and I can sort of laugh because it's absurd. Yeah. Like, like a lot of the movie leading up to that is like, oh, I could kind of see it playing out this way, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but by that point, it's it's like, yeah, I don't, <laughs> you know, the way you put it of you have these two choices, one like uh, the second choice massively reduces humanity's likelihood of survival. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I'm like, well, yeah, but also your chances of survival are basically zero with that crazy plan of like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to go into cryo sleep and aim the spaceship on this course for thousands of years, it's like you have no basis for thinking that's going to be successful. Right. We've never done anything even close to like that before. So, uh, it was enjoyable for me to see how that actually did pan out. (laughs) Well, I thought that was (laughs) a funny joke that he makes, uh, toward the end, uh, that Rylance's character makes where he's like, Hmm, we had like a 58% survival rate. Yeah. That's better than we thought it would be. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And it's we like, already so knew ha- hundreds of these people would die. So yeah, yeah ha- near you know half almost the people on the uh, on the spaceship just didn't even make it at all. Yeah, right? and you just see you just see like the pod like just go crashing into the mountain yeah. while the other pod's opening. I did think that was a good visual gag. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, should we do best parts highlights? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. What are some you- things you enjoyed about this movie, Adam? Moments, characters. Just... I just thought the Rylance character, despite being a total cartoon, mm-hmm. uh, seemed really real to me. Just sort of like a master of the universe tech guy who's yeah. like, my big brain mm-hmm. is so big that right. like it dwar- I can think of things that you can't even fathom, mm-hmm. right? It's like, that might be true, but there's still sort of just like limits to what one guy's like intellect can achieve right yeah yeah um i so i just um he was totally he totally stood out in like both good and bad ways like felt like he was in a totally bizarre different plane of existence than everyone else in Mm -hmm. the film but i was like this is this is good that this movie has a character like this because i think this is this is who would get involved in this type of problem right yeah 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 I, recent- I liked him too. I, I think, um, first of all, I find it so baffling. Like when Mark Rylance was cast as uh, what's his name, the you know trillionaire guy in Ready Player One, I thought uh-huh. that was such an odd casting choice. Yeah, and then to see him again playing like this tech billionaire type of person in this movie, I'm like, man, I guess other people think that that's a natural fit for Mark Rylance. Like for uh-huh. me. I just think of him as like his character from Bridge of Spies, you know, right, like right. it's it's just, it's just so crazy to me to see him playing a character like this. Now I agree with you. I thought he was very interesting and um, 
and uh, and memorable character. I guess you know I will say if there's one thing that did feel off to me though about this movie in terms of what it has to say about the real world, mm-hmm. it felt to me like they didn't quite. It didn't feel like he was really what tech billionaires actually are. And the reason is the big thing that, you know, that he discovers of, oh, there's all these precious minerals and stuff on this comet, mm-hmm. and we should therefore go with my plan. Yeah. It seems like his motivation is money. Yeah. And well, he's th- trying, he's saying we're going to end world hunger, right? Yeah. We're going to create so much wealth that. You know, yeah, society know. will be transformed. But see, but see, I, I think that is a that feels to me like a very misinformed perspective of the tech billionaire. Not that I have this enlightened view of things. I could be way off, but I don't think. Firstly, I don't think it makes sense that that he thinks that what we need to solve world hun- hunger is trillions of dollars, because I think most people. You know, like the Elon Musks of the world, probably. Um, in fact, <laughs> in fact, I can say this very confidently because I don't know if you saw it in the news, but very recently, actually, like a guy from the UN sort of called out the billionaires of the world and maybe Elon Musk specifically, and he was like, you need to give your billions. You, you could end world hunger if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. And then Elon Musk just tweeted. He was like, tell me how my money can solve world hunger and I will give it to you. Mm-hmm. And it was, and it was, I viewed it as, in a sense, him kind of calling a bluff because mm-hmm. it's like, it's not just that you need money. We don't right. actually have like the machinery but, in place. Right. Right. You, you need like political systems, you know, economic systems. There's so much stuff that's all totally broken and is contributing to world hunger not right. being solved. It's not just money. So anyway, I don't believe that a tech billionaire would genuinely think that if we just had a trillion dollars, it would solve world hunger. Right. Um, I think I think most people believe we already have the resources to solve world hunger. It's the it's it's like the again, like I said, like the machinery is what we're lacking. Um, But beyond that, I just don't think that I don't think that people like that are motivated by making huge amounts of money either. To be honest, I think mm-hmm. it's all about they have, you know, if I think of like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or Bill Gates, it's like they are obsessed or Steve Jobs, right? Mm-hmm. They're obsessed with this vision they have of a thing they could accomplish. And that's right. what drives them. Like for Elon Musk, it's like getting humanity to Mars, right? Mm-hmm. He's a billionaire and I'm sure he loves money, but mm-hmm. I don't really feel like that's what drives those people right and so it felt like a miss to me in this movie that that mark rylance's character seemed to just really want all those precious minerals Mm -hmm. um right so anyway that that felt a little it felt to me like someone outside of tech thinking that that's what tech like tech billionaires are so greedy they just have billions and they just want more billions and i'm like you're not wrong to sort of hate them (laughs) for your own, for like, you know, a a number of reasons, but I think you're getting their motivations wrong. That's, that was my thing. What I do. Yes. I think you're right about that. Uh, it's more like in, in some ways his motivations have more in line with sort of the stereotypical, uh, like oil executive or something. Yeah. Or like wall street or something, you know, there's plenty of, 
there's plenty of billionaires who just care about money. I, I do think that's true. Yeah. But I just I, don't think the tech billionaires are quite. Well, that's so easy for me to say because I happen to be in tech. Maybe everybody, maybe nobody just wants money. Everybody's trying to, you know, actually do something, whether it, everybody's trying to win whatever the game is that they're playing. Right. right. And usually money is a nice proxy for explaining who's winning. Yeah. Right? Or like, or money goes to the winner, you know? Right. Right. Um, um, I do think, though, the movie is spot on that there would be somebody powerful in the room saying, mind the comet. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, they, yeah, yeah. I, they might have gotten the wrong profession of that person, might not be a tech bro, but they sort of needed to like blend those two things because mm-hmm. they needed somebody who's like, I'll build you a bunch of space robots that can do it. Right, right. Right? Like you wouldn't you wouldn't expect ExxonMobil to do it, right? Um, yeah. Maybe if you maybe if you sort of paired up, you know, like it's a it's an oil guy that discovers all the minerals. Right. But then they they partner with a tech guy who's just excited about proving out this nanotechnology right, or something. Right. That feels more believable. That's right. Um I do think the thing they get right about the Rylance character is um the just the the his sort of undying belief that he can like apply his craft because mm-hmm. he's so skillful and has the most skillful, talented, smart team of people to like bend, you know, the universe to his will. Right. right? Like a God complex. Yeah. Right. And I think about, you know, people like um, Zuckerberg or, um, you know, uh, Jack from Twitter, like sort of thinking about the wave of, um, sort of social problems that are created by their platforms, right? Um, And Mm -hmm. sort of thinking to themselves, like, how can I control this? Or how can I, you know, route this in a way that is, like, healthy and productive and good for society? And it's like, it's out of your grasp, I think, Mm -hmm. right? Like, the horse is out of the barn. You can't... You, you don't have like the tools or the vision or the strategy or the skill or the bandwidth to like manage this wave of misinformation and vitriol that your platforms yeah. produce, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't think they think that. You know what I mean? It's just a problem to no. be solved, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of, we're barely talking about the movie anymore, but it, it I picture like, somebody lighting a match or like setting, creating a fire for the first time before we ever knew what fire was. Totally. Yeah. And suddenly the fire starts like spreading and it's like burning up the house. And the person who started it sitting there like, wow, this thing is really powerful. I need to, I don't want to put it out. I want to figure out how to control it. And it's like, no, it's going to just burn down everything while you're thinking about that. (laughs) Right. Right. You should put it out and then if you want to like think about what you might have done differently to be able to control it next time, right. spend all the time you want thinking about it. But in the meantime, put it out, right? Right. Which, you know, I'm like, Reining it Zuck, back. just yeah. shut down Facebook, man. Right. <laughs> Reining it back in, right? Like that's sort of like a thing you can't even really imagine doing, right? It's sort of no, like no. 
It's like a house is on fire. How can I have only the living room be on fire? How can yeah. I put it out everywhere but that room? Right? Not right. Because you see, well, you see the power of it and you're just like, this is so powerful. I'm, it's so um, intoxicating. You know, I, I, right. I, I'm not going to get rid of it. You know, this amount of power, hell no. Right? I made it. Right. Yeah. It's amazing. But let's let's keep going. I, I have some things that I liked about this movie. I liked, um, you said you liked the funny characters. I liked all the characters. I liked Jennifer Lawrence's character. I thought, mm-hmm. well, I did think she was funny, but also just really sort of, you know, you know I found her to be very likable. Um, I, 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 I felt like you really felt for her, you know, like that she was like, Nobody is responding to this problem appropriately. Mm-hmm. I'm not the crazy one, right? Right. But then, of course, she turns into a meme. Um, I was very surprised with what happened with Leonardo DiCaprio's character, but I, again, sort of back to what I was saying earlier, I appreciated that they showed him kind of get sucked into, you know, firstly, the social media, um, or not social media, like the, the media kind of attention, you know, and he let it yeah. get to his head, this celebrity culture, you know, he was eating it up. Mm-hmm. He, you know, it led to him having an affair on his wife. Mm-hmm. And then when he's appointed on the committee, you know, to oversee the bash operation, again, he's sort of like, he gets pulled into that. And it's like, you, mm-hmm. we could all be rich as a result of this. And he's like, oh, well, let's, let's like see what they have to say, you know? Right. Um, when well, he's and, also the type of person, he's like, what do you want me to do? Step aside and have somebody else? Do it. At least I can help, you know, right, be the adult in the room. But I think we can see that that's just him rationalizing it to himself, right? Sure. Yeah. And the truth is, he is being seduced by the same things that we're all vulnerable to, which I think is part of this movie's point. You know, right? It's not. It's not just like these these comet deniers are are the idiots and all these you know every other character is is totally untouchable um even i mean i think one of the most uh sort of upright and consistent uh characters with integrity in this movie is dr oglethorpe yeah dr oglethorpe yeah Dr. Oglethorpe, but I think even he, they toss in just like a few little moments of him kind of like having his attention distracted and being like, you know, into the game or into like a celebrity relationship or something like that. Right. You know, just like little throwaway lines. Like he's very much for the, for throughout the movie, he's very much dedicated to the right thing. But these throwaway lines are like, we're all being constantly, you know, our our attention is being distracted by celebrity breakups and celebrity marriages and memes and, you know, funny videos on the internet and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, so I really liked that. I really liked that the movie did that. I also really liked, um, this is just a thing that happens throughout the movie of you'll sort of be, I feel like I liked the editing. I liked the things that got sort of just like inserted seemingly randomly throughout Mm -hmm. to make you think about something like, you know, whether it's towards the end, you know, the comet's coming, the world's about to end. We're just going to show you so many different little glimpses into people's like precious lives, you know, whether it's like a man doing like a ritualistic dance 
or like a group of people at a party or like a parent with their child at home. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I feel like the movie was really effective at kind of like pulling you away a lot of the time and being like, this is also happening over here, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't just the ending. I felt like it did that throughout often, uh, sometimes very much without saying any words, like making a statement about the absurdity of what you were just seeing. Like, you know, like, um, I can't come, I, 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 this might not be a perfect example, but, um, I feel like it would do this sort of thing where you'd see some thing on the TV where they're obsessing about, you know, something completely trivial, like again, like a celebrity thing. Mm-hmm. And it, then it would cut away to like a nature, you know, shot of like mm-hmm. animals or something. Mm-hmm. And it, and, and I, I really liked that the movie kept doing that, kept being like, you know, while we're pursuing these absurd, completely artificial, meaningless things, mm-hmm. you know, here's, you know, like a, a, a dog drinking from a stream, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. Um, I don't know. Did, did you like those kinds of little edits or did it, was it just annoying to you? Um, I'm, I, I, I have ambivalent feelings about them. Uh, what I liked about them was that to me, the way I read it, and I think, I don't think your reading is wrong at all. I think that that's actually kind of what's good about these little inserts that they put in throughout the film is like, what does that mean mm-hmm. to you? Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, one of the things that I thought about as they were dropping that stuff in was like, oh, these are sort of like the stakes, right? Like mm-hmm. we talk about earth and it's almost too big to comprehend, right, as a planet. But instead, yeah. like, let's just look at, like, what is life on this planet? And mm-hmm. it's, like, just all of this stuff. It's just, like, hang, like people are together. People are alone. People are doing stuff outside. They're inside. They're looking at their phone. They're doing a ceremonial dance. It's animals. It's, like, and it's like right. These are, like, all the things that, like, is actually the experience of, like, being alive in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Like the rest of you know what the what our what our characters are experiencing, it's like a lot of stuff in like the White House and like um, you know uh, science laboratories and boardrooms, and it's like that's not this is not actually like what real life is like on Earth. This is like extremely rarefied air that yeah. we are in. Yeah. Right. So let's just remind ourselves like what is real life on this planet. Oh, right. It's like some ants crawling over a thing, right? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I liked about it. Um, life is going on all the time around us, and we're sort of like in our own heads and dealing with our own little obsessions. And it's like, that's an irrelevancy when you think about just everything else that's happening all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that, so yeah, that's, that's how I viewed it too. I mean, I guess, I don't know if I, I probably didn't articulate it as well, but that that's what it, I think what I liked about it is, is what it made my mind do, you know, mm-hmm. is you're in the story, you're in this moment of these characters talking about this thing. And then th- the movie's just constantly reminding you like this story, these characters represent the tiniest, most imperceptible sliver of the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. of everything and like as you've said so eloquently like what's at stake here it's mm-hmm. everything right mm-hmm. 
all of the above. It's not just these people, right? Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's every person on earth. It's every creature. Every every you know. And I just felt like I really appreciated it, kind of like continually pulling me away from the story of the movie and reminding me that all of right. that stuff is still there. Yeah. But you said that's what you liked about it. So I take it there's another side. Like what what did you not like so much about those that approach? The movie just overall has a really like busy feel to mm-hmm. me. Um like to, like and for, to my taste and as I recognize it's just a matter of taste, like too busy. I'm just like mm-hmm. too much cutting Mm-hmm. Too many like flashing moving things, mm-hmm. and I just want us to like be in. And it, again, this is my taste in movies. Like, I would rather us just, yeah. I don't know, find a, a less frenetic way to do this, right? Um, but I get that part right, of sort right. of like the movie is like, this is what it is, this is what life is now, yeah. And part of that is like sort of a fast cutting overwhelming sort of media experience yeah yeah i don't know what for whatever reason i liked i liked the feel of this movie and the editing um i even liked another thing this movie did quite a few times is the sort of abrupt cut you know while a person's in the middle of saying something yeah normally for comedic effect i felt um but i i even enjoyed that i i don't know why it's just a minor, a stylistic thing, I guess. Yeah. But it was often pretty funny. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I thought Jonah Hill's, a lot of Jonah Hill's improv, particularly in the form of his cruelty to Jennifer Lawrence's character, was quite <laughs> yes. was quite outstanding. Um, yeah. Like, like the part where he's like, she's like, they put a bag over my head. And he's like... Yeah, I told them to do that. They they don't normally do that, but right. I made sure they did it, and it was really funny and cool. So I'm glad I did. That. <laughs> his character was easily I don't know if you'd agree. I felt his character was easily the most absurd character in the movie because he's like the chief of staff, and she, he, and also the president's son, and also yes. the president's son, and he's like a complete douche, right? Right. Right. Like even the like the president herself in this film is much less absurd as a character. Yeah. She's she's kind of believable. She comes across as you know in that first meeting, mm-hmm. she yeah, she kind of blows them off, but it doesn't seem like it's because she's an idiot. It seems like she's like she's a little smug and she's like, "Look, I've heard a million she's of these jaded. end of the world." Yeah, she's she she firstly, it's I've heard so many of these end of the world stories, no offense, you know, but it's just like also you're from whatever it was, Michigan State or something. She's like, right. let's get some Ivy Leaguers to sort of like fact check this, right? Right. And and you know, and then ultimately when they do, I want almost want to say to her credit, which I think I think is right to her credit. She's like, okay, we'll do the right thing here. Of course, it's mm-hmm. not because it's the right thing. It's as Jennifer Lawrence's character points out. It's because it's now a good time for her politically, right? It's because you have a sexual scandal with your Supreme Court nominee and you need to, like, distract yeah, the world yeah. from that, right? No, but honestly, at that point in the movie, I was surprised because it's just not what I was expecting. I, I was expecting it to be, like, the whole movie, they're banging their heads against a wall trying to get somebody to listen to them. Right. And it's, it's not really how it played out. It was like, yeah, once our folks from Ivy League schools corroborated your story. 
we acknowledged like we we did accept that there is a comet coming and we should do something about it. So the mm-hmm. the way the story went after that was I was sort of I, I was uh, I was very intrigued from that point to be like, oh, OK, well, there's still an hour and a half left in this movie or whatever. Right. So right. Or an hour left. So how is this going to go wrong now? And, you know, I'll be honest, what I thought was going to happen was that crazy lunatic <laughs> pilot guy they got was going to go all, you know, rogue on them. Uh-huh, and that was yeah. going to be the problem. But uh, it went in a different direction. Um, any other any other parts worth mentioning from your perspective? I um, What I thought was initially like a total throwaway part uh, ended up being like, to me, like uh, a, a useful sort of skeleton key for the movie was the Kate Blanchett character. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I think as she's introduced, she's like a totally vacuous, you know, daytime talk show host alongside mm-hmm. Tyler Perry. And it's just sort of like your typical kind of like access Hollywood type sort of yeah. vibe. Right. Um, but what I, and, and, you know, she eventually decides that, uh, she's interested in Leonardo DiCaprio's character because he's a guy who looks like Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) Um, and so, uh, they begin like a romantic relationship and it's very sort of like superficial, right? Right. Just like, um, and then at one point, uh, He's like, I don't really know anything about you. And she's like, all right, let's get it over with. And she's like, I speak four languages. I've slept with two former presidents. I'm Ivy League educated, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I come from, you know, a massive, like, dynasty. Um, I'm extremely accomplished in, in a lot of ways, right? And I do this, right? Uh, and Like, the job that I have is just to sort of, like, shill on tv for Mm -hmm. whatever right and it's because her value system is like she deeply cares about like comfort and privilege Mm -hmm. right in to the degree that she like doesn't really think it's important to like have any beliefs or principles right yeah like i just need to be able to eat at like like DiCaprio very says, hedonistic yeah he's like every time I ask you about yourself you start talking about your favorite restaurant <laughs> right and it's like yes this seems about right like this is a character who like whatever she has sort of like fully admitted to herself like whatever identity or principles or beliefs that I have had can basically be papered over entirely by luxury and comfort and I'm perfectly mm-hmm. fine with that and I will do whatever it takes to sort of like maintain that level of privilege and so um and ease right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's like yeah that's like kind of what we're up against right like that's Mm. sort of the like people are willing kind of to do whatever it takes to be comfortable and privileged and and luxuriate in that rather than deal with any sort of like difficult emotions or situations right yeah and to me that's sort of like what is going on generally in the movie, right? Um, so at any, so that's I, I was really sort of surprised at that turn the character takes, and it really sort of um, made me appreciate her inclusion in the film. And I think 
yeah, I don't know. It was like really th- thematically it worked for me quite well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, and it's again, you know, back to Rorschach test. I think um, there's an interesting kind of two, dual way you could interpret that as the problem. One is, one is that like people are always pursuing comfort and convenience and people are lazy and that is and like that and people are this way and so it is their fault right it is all mm. all of our fault for being that way another another i think sort of lens is that is a human foible yeah. and it makes us vulnerable to exploitation by larger forces that say that can say hey he, you know Humans are drawn like moths to flame, right, to mm-hmm. convenience and comfort, and that allows us to control them, mm-hmm. right? And it, I, I mean, I think I tend to think of the truth as it's sort of a cycle, right? People want that, so then people who want to be power, like people who are in power, find that they can give them that as a way to control them. And, you know, so it's like a chicken or egg, like, if it weren't that way, it, they wouldn't be vulnerable. But also, um, you know, if you weren't exploiting them, perhaps the problems wouldn't be so extreme, right? Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I liked Kate Blanchett's character, too. I, as I said, I, liked, I really liked all the characters. Um, you know what? There's one more thing I wanted to mention, which is the... <laughs> which I did think it was pretty funny. Ma- mainly, mainly in the very when it was first revealed, but the, the gag about the general who charged them for the snacks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it was actually like from the moment he said like $10 each ought to mm-hmm. cover it. And it was like a bag of, you know, crackers and a water and like a bottle. bottle of water. Yeah. And I was like, how is that $10? Yeah. Um, and then when she like finds out that they were free, I was like, that's really funny. Um, yeah. And of course, then her character is obsessed with it for the rest right. of the movie. I've been going over it in my mind over and over again. <laughs> He's a four-star general. Yeah, <laughs> must just be about the power or something. What did she say? Like, yeah, it's something like that. Yeah, like because he knows we're gonna find out, and he wants yeah. us to know that we he pulled one over on us. Um, yeah, I like that joke quite a bit too. Uh, so I guess all we have left is fix the movie. Um, you've already given one sort of general way that you would have liked to change this movie, which is to make it less busy, right? Yeah, yeah. Less cutting, less less f- frenetic uh, sort of energy. Um, but I liked that, so you know that's a matter of taste, obviously. What what other things come to mind that could have made this movie better? So this sounds so stupid, but I'm going to say it anyway. Like, you know, one thing we haven't really talked about very much at all. What? Is, is Leonardo DiCaprio, right? Just the he, act, his performance? Just he is the centerpiece of the film, mm-hmm. right? Like, and we haven't talked about him. For like we have a little <laughs> barely like we've been talking about this movie for like an hour. And we're, well, it's a big our, cast to be what fair. Are our favorite parts, all these yeah. other characters right um what are the what's the movie about like all these other themes we talk about the president we talk about mark rylance right and it's like kind of nuts to me that we're not like that this movie doesn't sort of 
demand that you have like a conversation about DiCaprio. Like, for example, if we were talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right? Mm -hmm. Like, he's your like first sentence that you're talking about, right? And we, I think, like regularly thought of him as like, you know, Brad Pitt won the Oscar for that movie, right? And I think we're also like, but DiCaprio's kind of maybe better, right? Like, Mm -hmm. he's kind of maybe the secret weapon in that movie. Not that he's a secret, but it's like, so I, the reason I bring all this up is because like, I, the, the whole character that he plays, uh, what's his, what's the act, what's the character's name? Do you have it up in front of you? Taking no, Doctor Something, of course. The fact that I can't remember it is is important. Uh, Doctor Randall Mindy, yeah. right? Uh, it just like doesn't like the character do- doesn't totally work for me as like a centerpiece. Like the whole um, like he suffers from anxiety bit and like has a ton of different medications that he's on to deal with that, like. Um, feels like better on paper, but mm-hmm. like it didn't. Um, it felt very performative to me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like yes, this is a this is like really something that this character would be suffering from. I was just like, why is Leonardo DiCaprio pretending to have another panic attack? Like, mm-hmm. um, it just didn't. It just felt sort of like ancillary to the story and almost artificial. There were certain situations early in the film where I was like, why is he so worked up right now? Like nothing's even mm. happening right now. Um, mm. And I'm like, I want to, you know, and so that was just like something about that character felt like maybe simultaneously like underbaked and overbaked at the same time, overcooked at the same time. Like we're put, we're, we're doing too much stuff here and this doesn't feel like a totally real person to me well well i liked him but here's a suggestion i wonder how this how this feels to you what if you just kept the character mostly the same but removed the anxiety part i think what uh, very possibly because i I didn't feel like that added anything i i liked probably everything else about his character and then the the like occasional panic attack it almost felt redundant because because Jennifer Lawrence's character is a little bit she's not she's not like prone to panic attacks but she's the one who's like freaking out more and there right. are there are scenes where she's kind of freaking out and he's a little bit more calm yeah so it almost feels like it would make more sense to remove that as a part of his character and just right. have him be a little bit more subdued I right? yeah I I feel like the thing that they're trying to go for is like he's uncool yeah. Right. And it's like to me, him having like anxiety and suffering from panic attacks is like orthogonal to that idea. Totally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, look, if you want to make him uncool so that when he starts being seduced by like media opportunities and political power. Right. Like that's that will that's is very understandable. Right. Mm-hmm. But I felt like the whole notion of like him freaking out in the bathroom and yeah. like, and it's sort of like, why are we doing this? Like this, like a, I didn't like it. Didn't it's not like the same thing as the trailer scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Right? No, not at all. It's like, much it's, less central to his character, and it's like not not as funny. 
right? Like, right. I just didn't think like any of the panic attack stuff in this movie. It, I was never like laughing that he was like going through this, right? Yeah, I I agree with you. I don't I don't think the panic attacks were particularly interesting or good. I mean, w- do you agree with me that you could just remove that stuff and he I, I, his character I would do. work better? I do, yeah. and I just think you need to make the issue more about him f- like feeling like he's not part of the in crowd right mm-hmm. and you can do that in a variety of ways but that's well to i me- think the movie already does those things pretty well like like you know i think if you take all away all the anxiety attack stuff and just have him be okay in the beginning he he's like nerding out with his students over doing the calculations and stuff then they go on the show and he's trying to like, or they go to see the president and he's talking a bunch of math and he's like, he can't speak in plain English. And then they right. go on the show and, you know, what sets him apart is that he's he's not freaking out, but mm-hmm. his student does. And then he becomes kind of, you know, starts to become like, you know, sexy astronomer guy. Um, right. All this like works for me. Right. You know, I- even including... To a degree, you got to suspend your disbelief a little bit with the, uh, with the affair. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. B- but but I feel I feel like a a, a really a f- efficient um, like screenwriting way to make it sort of believable is is when she's like, "Tell me we're all gonna die." <laughs> right. You're like, "Oh, right. that does something for her, right?" That yeah, specifically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so you're like, "Okay, that's what attracts her to him is that he's the guy who's telling us that we're all gonna die." Right. Um, but yeah, I think all that I think that all works and it does what you're talking about of he's established pretty well as the not cool guy who sort of doesn't, right. you know, doesn't, doesn't get, follow pop culture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um and then and then all the way, you know, through to the end of going back to his wife, sitting with his family, you know, having that last meal. I feel like that is a good character. I just yeah. think that I just think the panicky anxiety stuff was just this layer that wasn't needed that was yeah. sort of put on top and you, you know, know what the other thing I would have liked to have seen with that character, which is I think not an unreasonable like leap is typically when someone is like not part of the in crowd, they know. Right. Mm-hmm. And typically I feel like as a, that person grows older, they develop some level of sort of cynicism about that. Right. Mm-hmm. being judgmental about that crowd. And I would have liked actually for his character to have been a little bit more, um, like especially in the beginning of the film, like a little bit more cynical or a little bit more mm. skeptical of powerful people and institutions. Mm. And that's... and um, Yeah, he's kind he, of innocent in this. Right, he's a little bit naive. Right. Right, right. and it's like, you're a grown man. Like... <laughs> You're, like, but he's you're an academia, done. Adam. I, he's an I academic. Guess. But I would, but that would have made his transition that much more impactful because mm. he just seems like a dumb sheep at certain points in this film. He's like, okay, I guess I'll just like go along with it. And it's mm. like it would have been better if it was like a choice that he's making because he suffers from the same itis that Blanchett does, which is like this feels really good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like my principles sort of go away when something just feels really good the attention feels good being on the cover of magazines feels good getting the attention of powerful people feels good you know what i mean like 
mm-hmm. would have preferred his character to like be shaped a little bit more like that because mm-hmm. as it, as it stands, it just feels like a couple of things are grafted on that don't really make sense, and we're trying to get some of that, you know, DiCaprio in a closed space magic, which like, you know, he can do, but it just I don't it just didn't work for me. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I'm that part. Um, other than that, though, um, you know, I didn't really have a lot of problems with this movie. I liked it. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was a masterpiece or anything, but mm-hmm. um, it has a lot of characters. I'm sure you could argue it doesn't need all these characters. <laughs> yeah. Um, but mu- you know, I, I, yeah, too much Ariana Grande and Kid Cudi, for my opinion. But. Mm. Yeah, I mean, they they were just sort of obviously meant to be funny. Right. Which I thought they were reasonably funny. I thought mm-hmm. I thought I thought all the characters were were, you know, funny or good. Um I liked the story, I liked the ending. So, I don't have any more fixed the movies, but if you have any more, let's hear them. Um no, I mean, I think I think we called out the big ones. Um like I like I said, it's still it is a funny movie. You know what I mean? Like all these little criticisms aside, like all the things we call it's out entertaining are yeah. still true. Yeah. It's like, and you do, and to your point, like just from like a sheer sort of like plot machine perspective, it's like, I want to know, does the comment mm-hmm. hit or not? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, just a, oh, one other, uh, just thing to sort of comment on something I liked. Um, and I, I mentioned it sort of a little bit abstractly earlier is the dinner, that all of our sort of heroes have together mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at the end, I thought was really genuinely moving, right? And the fact that they've decided, like, look, this is it. So we can, like, cower in our houses mm-hmm. or we can just, like, enjoy one another for the re- remaining time that we have. Right? For our final moments, yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's a kind of a beautiful thought, right? Because... Um, whether the earth ends, you know, five minutes from now or, you know, hopefully <laughs> many, many, many years from now, right? Yeah. Um, it's like that's all you really can do at the end is just spend the time that you have with, like, the people that matter to you. And Am I correct in saying they're, they're – oblivious to the bash mission in that dinner right they haven't even they're like they didn't watch right i think they didn't it's watch like, it so they don't actually even know right if they're I think it's like either it'll work or it won't if yeah. it works then guess what like great then we'll finish our dinner and you know and go to bed yeah right? and be ve- and be very grateful right and if it doesn't work i don't want to know yeah right like well if it doesn't work we'll find out right well so <laughs> pretty damn soon <laughs> right i mean and you, they can like feel like the rumbling right yeah, so they know yeah. That by that point they obviously know yeah but i thought that that was like an appropriate you know it w- it's far stronger than obviously like them having a tv on mm-hmm. watching it happen you know i mean it's just like why bother it, yep. it's totally out of your control it's gonna happen or it won't just let it happen Right. Yeah, I really liked the I really liked the dinner too. I thought there were, I thought all the different characters had a sort of a good. Well, not all of them. Many of the characters had a pretty good moment. Yeah. In that's in that dinner. Um, 
from, you know, Timothée Chalamet's little prayer. I got this. Yeah. To, um, to that line that, that, uh, the doctor says of, we really did have, what does he say? We really did have everything, right? Something when, like yeah, that. When you stop and think about it. We really did have everything, didn't we? Yeah. That's that, that to me is just such a tragic line of like sort of a statement about in the moment it reads or read to me as sort of being grateful for we, we all, all that we had, but it's also very much like a statement of it's a tragedy, right? Of mm-hmm. like we had, we had everything we needed to deal with mm-hmm. this and, mm-hmm. and we didn't. And here we are. Oh, it's funny. Um, is that what you, is that how you read the line? We had everything we needed to deal with this problem. No, I'm I'm saying it sort of felt it felt like in the moment. I'm saying it read as being grateful for everything that they had. Right. But to to me, it seems like it has multiple. Yeah. Sort of for sure. You know, meanings you can take from it, and that was one of them. Yeah. Um, and I I even liked you know like the little bit of um. What, what do you call it? The, the little bit of sort of more mundane chit chat that is also happening. Like, like Oglethorpe is like, you know, I've always preferred <laughs> store bought like store bought. Yeah. Pie or whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, agreed. I think we're agreed that that, that ending was quite, uh, quite good. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like we're, we're pretty much out of, out of ideas to fix the movie. Uh, so obviously you're not beaming this movie up. I'll cut to the chase and say I'm not beaming it up either. Yeah. It's it's not a it's not quite in that level for me. I just I just really liked it. I think part of how much I liked it though was that my expectations were low. I sort of thought after Vice I was like is Adam McKay only going to go down from there? <laughs> <laughs> um and then I wa- and and to be Truthful, I was aware that this movie, a lot of people thought it was terrible. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, I, I sort of was like, if I'm not a betting man, but if I were, I bet I will be on that side that thinks it's terrible. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, not, nothing about this seems terrible to me, you know? So I think that might have been, if, if, if nothing else, it might have actually kind of enhanced my enjoyment of the movie that I went in half expecting to find it terrible. And then as it went on and I was sort of like, I'm not finding this terrible. <laughs> yeah. It just, it just made it sort of more and all the more enjoyable. So, but not worth beaming up. That's true. So we're done. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a, the movie is a very big swing, Right. Um, and I think I will, um, always be inclined to support like people who take really big swings that they are earned because they're earnestly trying to make something good, you Mm -hmm. know, even if it doesn't work for me in this particular case, like, well, that's, that's not the most relevant detail here. You know what I mean? Like, um, so like, will I appreciate it? Yeah, I appreciate it. Will I watch the next Adam McKay movie? Yeah, for sure. Right? Like, it's... Well, it depends on what it's about. <laughs> I suppose, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, Adam it's, McKay is definitely not like a must-see director for me. Um, although he he gets you know he gets big stars to be in mm-hmm. these big event movies, so maybe it's more likely I'll see the next one. Right. But if he, if it were like another Vice esque movie about something that I'm not that interested in, I could definitely see myself skipping his next one. Hmm. Yeah. Just depends. And there you have it. We have finished talking about Don't Look Up. Uh, We're not beaming it up, but Adam liked it okay. I liked it a lot. Yeah, certainly. There's certainly many things to commend it for sure. Yeah, and you know, you know what you're getting. I think the surely most people walking in are like, this is going to be about climate change ultimately, Um, and so I probably already know where I stand on that. So it's not. You know, if you want to, it's not if you want to have your mind changed about that. It's more just, do you want to watch a movie that's funny and might get you to think about a few things and might get you to appreciate some things, right? But it's not going to, like, teach you anything, new information, most likely. Right, yeah. It's definitely not a scientific movie. (laughs) It's not an educational film. Right. It's more of a film to get you to feel something. Right. All right. Thanks for listening. I guess let's call it a, let's call it. Yep, for sure.